Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Football Talk from the Yorkshire Post, where we'll be discussing some of the latest talking points from the world of football with members of our football writing team. On this week's episode, we're joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner, and Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Bill Mopshaw, to discuss all of the latest developments affecting our local clubs. Don't forget you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging on to our website at yp.sport at nationalworld.com as well as checking out our various Twitter feeds, the main one being at YP Sport. If you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football, or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. And if you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages, or email us directly with the subject matter as football talk podcast at yp.sport at nationalworld.com. Yorkshirepost.co.uk as mentioned earlier in the intro, this week we're joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner, and Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Leon Wobshaw. Good morning, guys. Morning. Hello. Morning. Right, uh, this week we saw Sheffield Wednesday claim a valuable 2-0 victory over Birmingham City. Hull City fell to a 1-0 defeat when they welcomed Swansea City, and we'll be covering them later on in the podcast. Bradford City claimed a 1-0 victory over Wrexham, which they followed up with a 4-0 victory over MK Dons. Next, Doncaster Rovers claimed all three points in their 2-1 victory over Tranmere Rovers before drawing 2 all with Salford City. Harrogate Town overcame Colchester Town with a 1-0 victory before suffering a frankly astonishing 9-2 defeat at the hands of Mansfield Town. Uh, Middlesbrough saw their push for the playoffs stutter with a 2-1 defeat against Bristol City. And Huddersfield Town fell to a 5-3 defeat against Southampton. But first, let's start this week in the Premier League with Sheffield United, who secured a vital three points in their push for survival with a 3-1 victory over Luton Town. This now sees the Blades just seven points off safety. What did you make of their performance and how do you feel they'll be able to go into their game against Brighton and Hove Albion, Stuart? Um, well, it, 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 was a, it was a good performance, you know, you, you... You can look at it in the context of it being their first away win of the season, or the you know the the point situation that you've just pointed out, and all that sort of thing. But I think I think after the game against Aston Villa, uh, when they was they were they were so poor uh, and put up so little resistance, they they just needed a performance. You know, any anything else really was a bonus. They needed to show those supporters that. Um, that they really cared that you know that this wasn't this wasn't them sort of reaching breaking point and and you know it, it was going to be downhill from there uh, and it it was you know it, it was exactly the sort of performance you needed in that situation at, at Luton Town I mean you know we talked before the game about how hard Luton worked teams I mean you only need to look at the the, the really big teams you know like Liverpool and Arsenal who struggled at Kenilworth Road this season. Um, we, we mentioned on last week's podcast they're a real physical challenge, Luton, and that's that's not a negative in any way. That's you know really good on their part that they that they they play to their strengths and they really test you. So it, again, we said last week it was it was the kind of game where you'd learn a lot about about those players because it it was the sort of day where if you didn't fancy it, you'd get eaten eaten up, um, and it, and he went with a. He went with a more experienced team than he had recently. Um, he left out uh, Asula, uh, he left out Brooks, and he left out Trusty and brought back uh, Archer, Hamer and Osborne, three sort of bigger players in terms of 
experience and 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 you know in Archer's case transfer fee and sort of expectation on them, and they really stood up to the challenge. You know, Vinicius Souza was excellent, um, scored a goal, made a goal, actually conceded a penalty, but that was ridiculous. But um, really, really good performance from him, and and just the sort of the sort of performance you want from a, a team at the bottom end of the table who who can't often outplay teams. I mean, Luton had three quarters of the ball and three quarters of the shots, um, but it was a real characterful performance. Um, they were clinical when they got their chances. I said for all that Luton had a lot of shots, um, they limit they limited them to sort of long range efforts and that sort of thing. There was only really one difficult save for Wes Fodringham to make, and it was yeah, it was just it was just a really good a, a really good response to the to the Villa game, and I think they need to sort of focus on that aspect of the game on just sort of showing what they're made of and, and and then what will be will be with regards to the rest of it hopefully hopefully you know some things will fall into place but they they just they just had to show the fans who traveled down to Luton what they were about and and th- those fans that were there quite rightly really appreciated the performance yeah I mean it was a good a good response as a so I didn't cover the game and Outside of looking in, so to speak, but just five nil in the previous um, game at home, pretty embarrassing. Um, nice for Chris Wilder too. I remember at the end of last season when he had the brief spell in charge of uh, Watford. Obviously, their big derby is just up the M- M1 at Luton, and it was. Uh, I mean, it was very critical of um, not just the way Watford played, but the mentality and the, and the character on that day. I think they lost. It was either I think it was two or three nil, wasn't it? And um, Obviously, to see a, a side show a lot more, a lot more resolve and, and, and spirit, and as Stuart said, you know, the classic sort of sort of traits with with sort of grown and loved, I suppose, with Sheffield United during Wilder's first spell in charge. And yeah, it seemed to be a pragmatic and sensible team selection, bringing a few of the um, few of the more experienced players. I mean, Luton is, is the sort of venue where the crowd are on top of you, and it can sort of not just ask, ask questions from a footballing sense, if you might, but sort of as an extra sort of air of, of intimidation. And you look at some of the results that they've had this season, obviously beating, beating Brighton 4 0. That's testament to that. And uh, yeah, I mean, as Stuart's again right to say, it's good, uh, a good morale boost in the here, here and now. They've took quite a lot of knocks this season, Sheffield United. I think before anybody starts talking about, you know, great escapes, pulling out of trouble, this, that, and the other. I think really sensibly you just got to look at it sort of a, a one game at a time manager even though it is it is pretty boring isn't it but I think until you, know, you look at Sheffield United and, and <laughs> until they sort of win two three on the trot you can't really talk about anything can you really so just treat it as a as a one game at a time manager as it stands but it's it's a good it's a good lift for them isn't it and obviously going into the um, the Brighton game at, at home if they need any sort of little incentives, there was the cup game recently. Um, having said that, unfortunately, the, the sort of VAR overlord spoiled that one a little bit for me. But so, so United lost five two. There's been a, quite a quick turnaround in playing them again, and they'll be hoping to come on um, hopefully on the on the right side. And then they've got a, a a trip to Wolves, but uh, have to wait and see in that regard. But uh, you know, a nice. Uh, 
positive moment for the supporters first away win of the um, league away win of the of the season and um, they've certainly earned that for you know some of the the sort of barren trips on the travels this season. Yeah, and I, and I think in the in the way they approach things, as as, as Leon says, they they really can't get too far ahead of themselves. I sort of likened it in Monday's Yorkshire Post to two batsmen in a cricket match when they're when they're facing a really really big score, and they tend to they tend to work on the basis of right, let's just add another ten runs, yeah. let's let's just add another ten runs, and it, it little targets. And I think as well as that 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 next game one, which is very much what what. Chris Wilder talks about the one that sort of leapt out on me is that they moved uh, level on points with Burnley, and and I think I think getting off the bottom of the table is is an, an achievable target and and a you know a, a, a doable one in in the in the in the short term. And I think that's what they should be more focused on than than that seven point gap because you know seven points it doesn't sound it doesn't sound like much, and maybe if you're second place in the table. It isn't much when you're when you're having the see the sort of season that you know uh, Sheffield United yeah, and Burnley and the teams down there have had. It is a big gap. So, uh, I mean, Burnley have got Arsenal at the weekend. It's fair to fair to predict that they probably will lose that game. If they do, then anything Sheffield United get um, at home to Brighton will will lift them off the top of the table. So again, that would be just a, just another another morale boost. And sometimes if you just if you just get Things right in, in in the short term. I say the longer term can can look after itself to a degree. I think that that doesn't just apply to to Sheffield United. That that's probably the same for for Rotherham at the moment. Um, and uh, and yeah, I, I think that I think that's quite a quite an incentive for them because I say it would be it would be a big lift if they could um, a if they could get off the bottom of the table and b if they could. Still be off the bottom of the table by May, and and I think that's something they should be uh, really aiming towards. I think just quickly, the interesting one is Luton. They've been, you know, rightly had a few pats on the back um, lately. They've had some have some great results, but it was the dynamic shifting going into that Sheffield United game, game that a lot of people have been expecting them to win, and they obviously got turned over. So, sort of flipped around a little bit um, for Luton. I mean, it is. Still seven points to clear of Sheffield and Burnley, but uh, I, I still think they could, they're still well in it, uh, shall I say. Yeah. Mm. Well, that, that's why these games are so important, aren't they, Liam? We, we, we've been talking about them all season. It's not just what you can do for yourself, it's what you can do to the opposition as well. And I mean, another point, you know, into... Absolutely. And another point as well, you know, in terms of, in terms of looking at safety, this year of all years... It's so difficult to do because nobody's quite sure how many points Everton and Nottingham Forest are really on with the FFP uh, rulings to come. So I say they, they can't get they can't get too too caught up in that. But there's some positivity there, and every bit of positivity that comes along at Sheffield United this season, they have to really grab it and uh, and run with it. And next, we turn our attention to Leeds United in the Championship, who claimed a fifth successive league win to ensure that they keep right on the tails of the top two with a dominant 3-0 victory over Rotherham United, which saw Crescencio Somerville claim two of the goals, as well as Patrick Bamford claiming the other. This was then followed by an impressive 4-0 victory away at Swansea City, which took them back into second place. Now, how impressed were you with the two performances, Leon? Yeah, they uh, they've done doing what they've what they've got to do, and you know, sort of without being too disrespectful of 
at Rotherham, and they did concede um, an early goal that shouldn't have been awarded when um, Patrick Bamford clearly, you know, touched the ball in um, with, with his arm. It wasn't the, the it wasn't the biggest barometer for Leeds, and they did Leeds did what they had to do. They put the game to bed um, by about an hour. They did far too much armory going forward um, for, uh, for Rotherham. The good thing. I think from Farker's perspective is that you know, he could bring, make a few changes relatively early. Connor Roberts came off for his debut and I, I, he probably wouldn't have been expecting it on, on Tuesday night a long trip to Swansea to be able to do the do the same again. But that's how it that's how it's worked out and you you sort of take anything you can and you know, you sort of look at Leeds as itinerary. He had a little bit of a of a dig last week, Farker. Obviously they've got the help, they've got the cup game. At the end of the month against Chelsea on the Wednesday night, and it's a short turnaround to the derby at um, at Huddersfield at the start of start of March. Although, in fairness, that was always going to be an early kickoff anyway on on police advice, but it's still to a short turnaround. And they play the Tuesday night, and then they play the Friday. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's it's a testing itinerary as it is at the minute. You know, obviously they've been to been to Bristol City, they've been been to Plymouth. For the cup replay and um, see the long trip to to, Sw- uh, to Swansea, but no matter at the minute. Uh, I think I mentioned, I think it last week, it, uh, it sort of equating leads. It's a little bit like a like a distance run, the time in the run, and now they've sort of hit, um, you know, moved out in front of Southampton. Southampton, you know, a shot defeat at Bristol City, the first defeat since I think it's twenty um, third of. Of uh, September, so it's, it's it just makes it all the more interesting, doesn't it? Leeds have got uh, hold of that um, second place. I think Southampton played Friday. Leeds obviously got with Plymouth again on on Saturday. I, I think the thing that's it, it, I don't know what Stuart thinks, but I think it's right to pat Leeds on the back for in terms of what they're what they're doing in an offensive sense, in terms of counter attacking. There's not many teams that touch them at this level. We've got um, Gonto's got his got his mojo, but he's come coming to the side. Obviously, Dan James had a bit of an issue, but he was he was on the bench at, at his old club, uh, Swansea. Bamford's got back in the goals. Um, Somerville's been outstanding all season. We all know about about Rutter. He's probably the best sort of link player, um, number ten in in the in the division, arguably. But the thing that sort of leaps out. Um, um, for me, probably, probably with my old-fashioned hat on, is the defence. Really, I think that. I think ultimately, I, I sort of look at. I look at Leeds. They've conceded 20, 26 goals. It could be a sort of tight. You know, well, I think it will be a real tight race for the second spot. I look at Southampton. They've conceded thirty-eight goals. I look at Ipswich. They've conceded forty. Now that's um, between sort of three well-pitted and close sides. That's you know that sort of. You know, it's 10, 12 goals, isn't it? And um, yeah, that's what I'm sort of really, really like about Leeds at the minute. They've won seven league games this calendar year. Perfect run in that respect. But uh, six clean sheets, that's the thing that's uh, leaping out uh, from the page for me at the minute. Yeah, and, and and the thing I would would add to that as well, as you say, they've won, they've won seven out of seven, but... Leon's already alluded to the fact that they've they've had Dan James out injured. Uh, they've had Joe Perot has sort of gone off the boil a bit in terms of his his goal scoring form. So it's you know good to see him 
find their net against Swansea and, and, and you know, hopefully that's the, that's the start of him getting up and running again. But in terms of that defensive side, um, they've been without Pascal Stroik for most of the year and that should be a really big blow to a defensive unit. You know, he's one of the most talented defenders in, in the division. That should hurt Leeds really hard. And the fact that it hasn't, you know, is a real tribute to you know the players who have who have stepped in obviously you know they've 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 had uh liam cooper on the on the sidelines for a long time he he's been able to step up and produce uh changed his role to 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 make light of that and you know again as uh, as leo mentioned earlier willie nonto's done done the same and patrick bamford at, at the other end of the field it's been a real it's been a real squad effort and, and it has to be because you know the the pace that the top four in this uh, championship season have set is just absolutely relentless. I mean, for Southampton to go 24 games unbeaten and not be top of the league, you know, tells you everything about what what that part of the championship is like this season. And, and therefore, you know, uh, all of those teams in there just need to keep keep grinding out results and yeah Southampton slipped up the other day it, it will be Leeds down the line it will be it, it will be uh, it will be Ipswich at some point but they, they've just got, when it happens they've just got to get back on the horse and just keep going and, it, and it's the it's the relentlessness of Leeds at the moment and the and the inability uh, the refusal to be sidetracked by by injuries to complain as Leon said about uh, the you know the, the fixture pile up or you know Daniel Fark had his little whinge in the, in in the uh, in the in the press, which was totally justified. But they haven't they haven't used that as an excuse. They haven't let it affect them. If if anything, they've probably sort of used it in that old fashioned Leeds United way of let's sh- let's show everyone, you know, the, the the world's against us. Let's uh, let let's let's stick it to them by you know going to Swansea and, and putting four goals past them. So it's 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 really good to see that that rhythm that Leeds United are in but I say that the standard is so high that you can't you can't take anything for granted really. it's going to it's going to bring automatic promotion or, or not but I think I think we both said on this podcast that the confidence we have in Daniel Farker and and you know I would add the the depth of that squad I do believe that if if Leeds can just keep focused and keep churning out the results things will things will work out for them you know regardless of of how well Southampton in particular, are doing right now. Yeah. I think one of the big things as well is, is you've got to mention Gruev as well. He's he's been able to, you know, he's had bits and pieces, little sort of cameos on the bench. He's coming to the team, you know, in the in this sort of it's coincided with the, the strong run that Leeds had. We obviously, had the issue with Stroik. Um, has gone back to the to the back and just nobody's noticed really. Have they? I mean, Ampadu is a you know, player who's deeply deficient. You know, in the centre defence or or in midfield, Groves has slotted him absolutely, fantastically well. And uh, yes, Stuart's right to say that. But people are putting a hand up all over the pitch. The one I think there's there's one I had to pinpoint one player who you'd hope not to be injured. I think I'd definitely say say Road on it. You know, for me, has been the best defender I've seen in the Championship this season. So I, I just hope, from a Leeds perspective, that that they can keep him. Um, Keep him fit for the for the rest of the season because he's, he's somebody who's you know he looks a class above um, you know mm. the championship for me. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting how they do. Stuart's right to say as well. There's going to be it's not all going to be sort of plain sailing in that race for the second. 
and uh, you know like Ipswich could come again as well. They've got some you know, relatively straight um, forward-looking games on paper, and even though they didn't win on on Saturday against West Brom, they didn't lose either. They showed some spirit to sort of dig out a, a point there, so they may come again. You see, Southampton have got to go to they've got to go to Leeds, they've got to go to Leicester, they've got to go to um, uh, Ipswich as well. You know, Leeds will probably have have the odd bump in the road as well, and it, it's just about having that resolve and that mentality. And Leeds have been pretty pretty strong at that, haven't haven't they? But there's going to be um, it's going to be a fascinating bump to the um, to the end of the season for sure. There. I mean, even just the nature of it with, with all the television games, it'll be like one of those wacky races sequences where one side goes ahead and then the other side takes over and the other side goes ahead purely because someone's it's playing on Friday and someone's well, playing sure. on Sunday. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah, you know, the, you know, for example, Southampton have got a game in hand on Leeds at the moment which could which yeah. could get them back in the in the top two. It, it, it really will to or fro and therefore... Uh, Leeds and and I think this is a strength of them this season as 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 a team and as a club. They can't get too up or down about the fact that they're in second place or they're not in second place and 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 that steadiness has been a real a real strength of theirs this season. I think mm-hmm. he just stayed steadfast as well, hasn't he? Parker? I mean, there was the, the sort of early part of the season where he was, he was still obviously finding out about his players and getting his side to to sort of gel and understanding understanding how develops. You know, there were one or two um, sticky results early season, and then obviously the, the period um, around, around Christmas as well. But um, yeah, it looks it looks to be a, a strong dressing room again in the you know in the best traditions of of successful uh, Leeds United sides. But um, it's going to have to stay strong if they're going to be the one smile at the end in, in second place. And uh, quickly before we move on to the next topic, um, we were talking about injuries in Leeds United and I just want to say that I hope that when it comes to Bamford, um, it's not as serious as loads of people will think with regards to him dropping out at, at the last minute at the Swansea game because I'm just thinking he, he's been on such a good run of form recently after having terrible spells out on the sidelines and I'm just hoping for Patrick Bamford's sake that this is just a quick right rest for a week come back we'll see how it goes and then we just uh, and then he just carries on yeah I don't get yeah, I mean, whatever, whatever happens to be quite honest he's exactly. not that sort of guy yeah. isn't he? exactly as we said earlier we, we've seen it happen to to other key players and they've just they've just rolled on regardless sort of thing so from a from a Leeds United perspective I, w- I wouldn't be too panicky. That that's their nature, obviously, as you say. Um, you know, you always, yeah. But uh, but yeah, the, the the way the way that people have just sort of carried on, carried on regardless. You know, when these these things have happened, has been uh, has been very impressive. Yeah, it's part of it, isn't it? Unless you're very lucky as a promotion chasing side, you're gonna have you're gonna have issues. That's that's the crux yeah. of management in many respects, isn't it? Especially in the, in the in the championship, there's all sorts of things that come to end. We have three game weeks, and um, you know, little spells of injury, you know, um, injury pileups. That's all part of it. And Farker consistently has shown that he's not going to be he's not going to be phased by pretty much anything. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not even just injuries, is it? The, you know, the suspensions, you know, we saw the, you know, when Leeds were down to the third choice goalkeeper, that's, say, lost some form like uh, Peru had for, for a spell and, and others will have, you know, people have uh, personal circumstances like, like Jaden Anthony has. Um, yeah. The championship tests you in so many different ways, which is which is why it's it's important that you, you don't get flustered as, as Daniel Farker doesn't. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, there's other people, Stuart, like Geldar. He might come on, and yeah. there might be the odd game where you know an important cameo from him, and you know Matteo Joseph as well. And, you know, he, he, he they might get a a really good twenty minutes or so, an important contribution from him, and that's it's it's all got to be factored in the mix. And now let's turn our attention to the clash between Rotherham United and Hull City, which saw the Millers fall to a two-one defeat, and have now played seven games without a win. Um, Hull City, on the other hand, came from behind thanks to two goals late in the second half. And this now sees them level on points with Norwich City, who are just inside the playoff spots. What were your thoughts on the performances of both sides, Stuart? Uh, well, I'll focus on Rotherham first, if I can, because obviously uh, Leon saw them on Saturday as well. So, I think, you know, between us was probably, uh, probably a good time to, to speak about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and... and kind of similar emotions to some of the things I was talking about with Sheffield United. I mean, Rotherham are now, are now 12 points from safety and hand on heart, I can't see them, I can't see them staying up. But um, what is really important is that, again, like I said about Sheffield United, that they, they show real fight. Liam Richardson talked about after the game about the importance of standards and keeping standards up. And I think that is so, so important because already minds at both of those clubs are starting to turn to how we're going to get back up ne- next season. And, and I've said before about, about many of our clubs, I, I do think that if you, if you have a really weak end to one season, it can, it can really, really carry over. And obviously, um, you know, Rotherham fans would have been, excuse me, would have been disappointed by the, the scale of the victory at Leeds. I mean, those that were there, obviously quite a lot of them uh, boycotted it because of a, an issue about uh, ticket prices. But they did, they did show real Rotherham spirits uh, in that game against Hull. It was the kind of, for, for a long period, it was the kind of performance that I associate with Rotherham United at, at home to a big club. Uh, I mean, they scored early on to a deflected goal from Christie. I think I think that was four four minutes in, and and then really d- defended for their lives. Uh, I mean, Jane Philogene, I'll talk a, a bit more about later on. But you know, he was on absolutely outstanding form, and and having taken sort of twenty minutes to really get a foothold in the game, all absolutely through the kitchen sink at at, uh, at Rotherham, and you know, as as is often the case, Victor Johansson had to be absolutely outstanding and was. But, you know, for a good hour or so, you were watching that game thinking, obviously Hull looked the more likely to score. They had more, most of the ball and most of the game was played at Rotherham's end, but it, it didn't feel like a, a goal was inevitable. You felt if there, if there was one, then a second goal for Hull would be inevitable. But you'd seen this story before with Rotherham against teams like Leeds and Ipswich and and teams like that, where they've they've really frustrated them with real you know, defensive grit and determination. And, and it was it was good to see those qualities. Ultimately, you know, in, in the 
in the final uh, final reckoning, they they weren't good enough to 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 take a, a, even a point against Hull City. But frankly, there's no shame in that. You know, when you look at you you look at the money Hull City have, have spent under Ajanila Jali, they've spent it extremely well. And you look at what Rotherham have to work with. Um, those two teams shouldn't be on an equal footing. But it says a lot for Rotherham that for you know for a large part of the game they. They were they were winning, you know. They were winning for sixty five minutes. So, I think I think that was really encouraging. And and again, obviously, Leon can talk a bit more about how they played at Ellen Road. But I suspect the fans sort of needed that sort of performance after certainly the results. I don't know what, what Leon thinks about the performance, but certainly the result they had on Saturday. Yeah, and funnily enough, I, I did watch it all on, on um, Tuesday night, but I watched a fair bit of sort of the, the first half and chunks of the second half. I actually thought Rotherham played reasonably, reasonably well in the circumstances. Yeah, they had to mm. feel a fair bit of pressure from Hull. I, I think they looked at the, they looked better with sort of uh, two up front. They were getting the ball direct and forward a, you know, a, a little bit um, a little bit quicker and they were getting Hull turned. They were, they were causing one or two problems at, at Leeds on Saturday. They they actually, for the first, sounds a little bit, little bit daft considering the, the scoreline and how many leads could have gone on to score, really. It had been really clinical. For the first sort of five minutes, or yeah, five, eight, nine minutes, they, they actually played okay, rather than they were sort of trying to target the, the left-hand side on the junior Firpo. Obviously, the game changed with the, with the, the Bamford goal, and they weren't really in it after that, but... I thought they, they looked better on from what I saw on Tuesday night with having two forwards that obviously, I think they dropped Cafu, haven't they, from, from the weekend's game at Leeds and had um, Charlie White and, and, and Nombe and they were sort of sort of hunting to, hunting together almost. And I, I thought they played, they, they showed sort of signs of identity, I thought, in, in the first half. I just sort of think about, Rotherham, I don't know what, what you think, Stuart, but I, I just think they get worn down by, you know, teams mm. with, Teams, you know, we had Leeds on Saturday. Hull, you know, teams with, with you know, with, with cold breakers, quality players, you know, have rather than to get a result at, uh, against most championship teams, they just have to do so much. They have to be totally concentrated on message, and they can't afford any any mistakes. But and from what I saw of the of the game against uh, Hull, obviously um, Johansson's been, you know, he's one of the best goalkeepers in the. In the division, and um, he made uh, the sort of saves we associate with him. But they just, you just got worn down, didn't they? And then, obviously, Hull get uh, get the wonder goal, and, and and you fear for Rotherham. But I think there was some looking over the sort of course of of the piece, if you like, of Rotherham's situation where they are. You know, it's going to take something you know, truly outstanding to to sort of save the skins, and you, you sort of look at the games. Um, coming up, and I think if, if you, they don't win a few of those, and that pretty much will be it. I think they've got they've got QPR and and, and Sheffield Wednesday. And Sheffield Wednesday at the start of March, isn't it? So they're certainly going to need to win those games for a start. And they've got I think they've got something like four out of five away, or five out of six, something like that. And we all know about the away record. So um, yeah, it's just about as Stewart's right to say. I love the Sheffield United. It's just getting some sort of some positivity, something to sort of hang your hat on between now and the and the end of the season. And uh, there were elements of the game against Hull where I, I thought they actually they actually shown that, but ultimately got 
got worn down by Hull's quality. And there's, there's obviously a huge chasm in terms of, you know, wage bu- budget and the calibre of player at the at the top end of the pitch. And you look at some of the players that Hull can bring on, people like, you know, Ozan Tufan, what a, what a great sub. He's, you know, he's, he is in, you know, when you're pushing for, to get in that top six, he's got a goal in him. And, um, yeah, you just hope for Rotherham's sake they can, you know, hopefully they can stay in the game. I don't, I don't know how, but somehow, but just bring a little bit of, a little bit more, you know, joy to, to, to support us, do some, you know, support, some performances to get them, to get them infused rather than just, um, staying, staying in games and losing the goal and that sort of pretty much being it. That's, that's what you'd hope for. Yeah, I mean, I think the key in that respect uh, is that when they get when they get the ball, they've got to be they've got to be better at using it, haven't they? That that was that's always the issue in those games, isn't it? If you keep giving the ball back to you know the opposition, it will keep coming back at you, and and it's inevitable, really. I mean, Liam Richardson again talks with the with the ramp. Was it yeah? Was it, um, was it um, Rathbone? Wasn't it as good as the finish Rathbone, was? Yeah, he'd, he'd give yes. the ball away, hadn't he? Yes, and then and then we sort of got tied in knots uh, after it. Yeah, and you know Liam Richardson talked a bit afterwards about um, his players needed to needed to really work on the fitness so that they could all go for ninety minutes. But it was hard not to feel a bit of sympathy in with regards to the fitness side. I mean, if you if you're you know if you're if you're if you're not good enough at keeping the ball, then. You're just not good enough at keeping the ball. You know, you've obviously got to work at it, but you know the 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 sort of the sort of skill element you can you can forgive. I think what the, what Rotherham fans need to see and did see that night is is players just absolutely maxing out effort wise. You know, and and I think that's the thing. I think after every after every game in this season, well, after every game they play in the rest of their careers. Let's be honest, Rotherham players need to be able to look in the mirror and say. I gave my all, and I say I think I think that more than anything is what Rotherham fans should judge them on between between now and the end of the season because um, that's always that's always been something you can bank on with Rotherham, particularly at the New York Stadium. But whatever their other failings, uh, that commitment is there, and if that if that ever ever goes, then you know, the essence of what that football club is about goes. So it it, it is really important to, to keep the standards up, even though I think we all know how this story is going to end this season. Um, there's, there still can't just be an acceptance of it uh, and a rolling over. And I say there were, there were, there were no signs of that on, on Tuesday. I'm not, I'm not saying that because they were. Um, so yeah, they, they, they've got to, they've got to keep those standards up and ultimately if they get if they get beaten because the opposition's got scores a wonder goal or the opposition can bring a you know massively capped Turkish international off the bench or or even if the you know referee makes a bad decision or they have a bit of bad luck then then so be it but they have to say look I did my part as a player and and me and my teammates were were fully committed to the cause. Yeah, I think to be fair, I don't think I don't think it has been um, that real sort of. Lack of effort and application, hasn't it? Really, I'm sort yeah. of thinking of. We've both done. We've both done games this season. They've had a few. They've had a few bad days in isolation. I'm sort of thinking off the top of my head. They got. They obviously got hammered at, at Watford in the game that you know ended Matt Taylor's tenure. I think you went to the the game at um, at Hull, didn't you? When they got 
uh, yes. turnover in the first half. And they had, a, they had a bad day at Stoke, didn't they? But uh, yeah. early in the season. But there's just a lot of games. It's just been that just that level of quality, isn't it? It's just mm. I mean that those that requisite sort of championship sort of um, level that you know they've got good they've got good honest players. They, they will give. They will pretty much give it, give everything, and they're a good group. But it's uh, just just getting getting worn down, just getting little moments where they they're just going to be exposed a little bit. I, I did the home game with I think it was Leicester uh, towards the start of the season, and, and they played pretty well. Did Rotherham, but it was just you know, Leicester didn't didn't play that well, but they didn't particularly have to because they just looked at some of the, the sort of options on on the bench that they could bring on, and they sort of won it by. By weight of numbers, and, you know, and that's the sort of challenge that Rotherham have at this level as well. It's you know, it's not just the sort of starting eleven; it's, it's the replacements that some of these teams are playing can bring on. You know, with, with respect, they haven't got that that sort of quality. You know, on the bench, there's been some occasions this season where they, I mean, you've got to factor in Rotherham's injuries as well. They've had some hellish injuries, especially in the first half of the season. You know, not not been able to fill a bench. Some games have been only been able to put sort of six players up, um, on there and you know quite a few academy products as well who, who obviously are ready for this level so you know it, it's been one of those seasons again where Rotherham you know justifiably thought had, you know to think sometimes well the world's against us really yeah, yeah. I, I mean to be absolutely clear I, I'm, I'm definitely not uh, accusing Rotherham players of of, no, of losing no. losing heart. It, it's it's purely looking at the fact that we've got um, we've got what fifteen games left, and they're human beings. You know, fifteen mm. games of fighting a losing cause can take it out. And I'm I'm just saying it's really important that they don't allow yeah. themselves to to feel sorry for themselves and and I say to lose the the, the really good sides that they've shown. You know, despite the fact that they've they're having such a difficult season in terms of the, the league table and the points tally. There is still a lot good about that football club and, yeah. and they really need to need to fiercely protect it. Yeah, definitely. Well, they're playing for contracts as well, aren't they? That's another thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think of their own situation as well. I mean, that's that's all part of, part of it. Liam Richardson's come in and he's obviously, obviously come in with a view on the, on the medium to longer term, hopefully, as well. So there's all that side of it. And uh, Stuart, what was your reaction to uh, Hull's response to losing on Saturday? Um, well, I mean, it was by all accounts, it was a really disappointing performance as well as results at home to to Swansea City, and and it it, it just just did just make certainly me you know worry about them a bit because you know they've, they've lost eight out of fourteen games or they had at that stage, um, but yet you look at that squad and you think that that's a squad that should should. A reach the playoffs and B actually have a have a decent shot at it. Uh, I mean, Leon's already mentioned, you know, the quality of player they were they were bringing off the bench and all that sort of thing. And, you know, Jane Philogene was absolutely outstanding on 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 Tuesday night. It wasn't it wasn't just his goal. You know, there was a there was an audacious effort in the in the first half. He was always looking to take players on. You know, Zaruri added something on the on the on the left. We had Noah Ohio come off the bench and score his first goal. You know, we know what what Billy Sharp's capable of. Um, it's quality all all around that team. Um, so so the key for Hull, I think, is it, it has they have to go to game. You know, 
Rotherham on a Tuesday night is a, is a sort of stereotype alongside you know Stoke on a on a Tuesday night a game where you really have to roll your sleeves up and, and show your character and you know it takes it takes some bravery to even attempt what Jane Villagine did. I mean, if you haven't seen the goal, you really should you really should watch it. But to to even try that in front of the whole fans who'd been very critical of their team last night uh, that night, there were quite a few chants of. City sort it out, Liam sort it out. They, you know, they weren't happy that their team was was struggling to 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 break uh, Rotherham down. So you know, it takes some guts to 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 even try something like that, and to to just to not lose heart, to keep plugging away, believing that you can uh, you can break down this this really obdurate um, Rotherham side. But there's so much there in that whole squad that that makes you think if they can just if they can just be more consistent, if they can just find a bit of ruthlessness, all the other ingredients are there for them to 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 have the season, frankly, that they're that they're aiming for, you know. Um but again, you know, the, the fact that they're the fact that they aren't consistent is making this this playoff you know, this battle for the the sort of second uh, third and fourth playoff places as intriguing as the uh as the battle for the uh second automatic places at the moment. Yeah, I think they've just got to be, try and be as consistent as they have, as they can be at both ends of the, of the field, Stuart, haven't you? you? You sort of look at, mm. you look at them this season, they've obviously got um, Liam Dillap's um, injured, I thought he was a, you know, a huge player for, for Hull, and I know he's spoken about that as well. You know, getting that clinical edge in front of goal, I think between both boxers, Hull are one of the, one of, one of the best teams in, in the championship, and that's that's reinforced by what they brought brought in in January. You know, they, they, they brought in some some game turners to go with what they've already got, and the likes of likes of um, Villagey. There's, there's certainly you know creative wise, skill wise, there is you know they 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 are top six. They're the sort of real deal in that respect. But it's you know it's about getting that clinical edge. You know, in in the red zone, the business end of the pitch. And also at the back as well, there's been times this season, you know, certainly uh, away from home where they've, you know, they've succumbed in spells of pressure, conceding, conceding goals, and so they'll need, they'll need to be mindful of that and, um, you know, more improved and consistent in in that regard. Because I, th- I think it's you know between you know in it, the vast majority of the the rest of the pitch, you know, skill, quality, crosses, chances created, you know, they're they're fine. Be another interesting one. They've got Huddersfield on. On the on Saturday, I think that that'll uh, that'll test them as well. You know, Huddersfield have got a little bit of um, remains to be seen how they're doing midweek, but they've got a bit of the the mojo back, um, haven't they? And they'll, I'm sure they'll whatever happens, they'll they'll go into that game and, and try and try and attack it. And, you know, good thing for Hull is that they've had a, you know, this little bit of a sticky sticky patch away. I think they've won at Sunderland, haven't they? And they've they've, they've now won at uh, Rotherham, so they'll be. They'll be hoping the the sort of over those you know little issues they've, they've had away from home, but there's still a long way to go, and there's, and there's a fair bit of pressure on on Hull's, Hull's shoulders as well. I mean, Stuart mentioned the, the supporters; they'll have seen what Hull have brought in in terms of the recruitment in January, and obviously the window uh, before last summer. They've they've got some serious marquee players in, and uh, you know, with with clear designs to finish in the in the in the top six and. I think if, if they don't finish in the top six this season, given 
given their outlay, what they've spent. You know, there'll be a lot of uh, disappointment there, I think, certainly in, in the boardroom. So, um, yeah, we'll uh, whole show what they were what they were about in, in midweek after a you know a disappointing result at, uh, at the weekend, and they're going to have to do quite a lot more more of that because, you know, as Stuart's right to say, the hunt for the for the playoffs, the last few places is going to be really, really intense and interesting. And uh, finally for this week, I turn to Stuart for his Player of the Week before looking to Leon for his Team of the Week. So, Stuart, who stood out for you most this week? Well, I think it's fair to say that that Leon and I often say when we make this choice that we're we're, we tend to be biased towards the, the teams we've uh, the teams and the individuals that we've uh, we've covered this week, and you know, there's uh, for Adam Phillips to score two late goals for really important late goals for for Barnsley, I think was you know was a big a big deal. I didn't see Leeds's game at Swansea. Obviously, I was at Hull, but you know, by all accounts, um, Archie Gray was uh, was magnificent then, and you know, there's been quite a few. Um, yeah, really good individual performances. Ek Obo scoring his, his first couple of goals for for Sheffield Wednesday was 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 huge for them that night. But for me to have been at the New York Stadium and just saw the way Jaden Philogene played. I mean, by the way, I should should mention as well. We've touched on it earlier, but Victor Johansson was was outstanding too. Uh, even though we kind of sort of take that for granted with him, but. But yeah, Philogim Philogim was was outstanding. You know, I mentioned his, his bravery to attempt what he did, his persistence to just keep running at, at rather than players, keep keep believing in himself. Um, I was I would not you know this isn't this, this won't be news to anybody who follows uh, the championship and certainly anybody who who watches Hull City. But um, I was really impressed by him. Again, he's a, he's a he's a He's one of those, and you know, there's a few knocking about Premier League quality players playing in the Championship, and um, yeah, Hull City paid a lot of money for him by the standards of a club that don't have parachute payments. Um, but he's, he's he's more than justifying it. He's a he's a really top quality perform performer, and that was a that was a really good display by him against Rotherham United. And uh, Leon, which team stood out for you this week? Uh, well, as you got mentioned, I mean Leeds United, obviously two more, two more wins, two more clean sheets. Um, you know, with with respect, you don't you'd have expected them to beat uh, Rotherham at home fairly convincingly, and and, and they did that. So they had more of the head turning result was going to Swansea in midweek, and obviously factoring a long travel and tremendous win there, and they obviously lost Bamford as well just before. You know, in in the warm up as well, and the the handled that. But I, I think the team I'll, I'll probably go for is is Bradford City. They've had, they've had a bit of a of a rough trot, haven't they? Post post Christmas, they, I think they won at Doncaster just before Christmas, and everyone was talking about where they could, you know, potentially late charge for the playoffs. And then, you know, as usually happens with with Bradford, unfortunately, just when you get a little bit excited, they they, they sort of produce. A disappointing run, but you know, hopefully for their sake, they're they're out of it. They brilliant win at um, at uh, Wrexham at the weekend. By you know, by all accounts, the goal goalkeeper Sam Walker had a, had a stormer. But you know, no no matter what, I mean, you look at Brett, um, Wrexham's home form for the best part of just three seasons, really. I think in the the season they got promoted um, last season back to the football league. I think they won every game bar one, and that game they drew. And 
you know, the only time they'd lost at home this season was on the first day, ironically, to Graham Alexander's uh, Milton, Ke- Milton Keynes-Dons when he was uh, in his short spell managing there. So he's managed to uh, to back that up and get a you know a noteworthy worthy double really, and you know, winning at being the manager of the only team to win in the league at um, Wrexham not once but but twice, and you know real good morale boost there, morale boost for. Uh, Andy Cook as well. He's he found himself, you know, dropped relatively recently, and he and he got sent off in the, in the trophy game. You know, he uh, missed a penalty, missed a penalty, and then managed to to get the glory at the end. And you know, crucially for for Bradford backing it up, that's the big thing, isn't it? As we look at you know, job in the past, Bradford, you, you, know, you have a, a really one really encouraging result. You get a bit excited and they lose next game, but they did the job in midweek. They beat MK Dons. Um, 4-0 so two wins two clean sheets and you know, I think as well you look at some of the attacking players that aren't available to them at the minute Jamie Walker's been out um, the lonely Tyree right he's also out Patterson's out Matt, one or two to us I can't quite remember but you know, they've got some some key players who, who have been who have been missing so yeah I think that's just come at, at the right time this this boost for Bradford they've got the the trophy semi-final um, next week and whisper it exceedingly gently but if they do manage to get a run together they're not totally out of the top eight but that, that is a long way to come I think yeah. YorkshirePost.co.uk Many thanks to Stuart Rayner and Leon Wobshall, who will doubtless join us again soon for more discussions on the Yorkshire football scene. But don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging on to our website at yp.sport at nationalworld.com, or if you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football, or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages, or email us directly with the subject matter as footballtalkpodcast at yp.sport at nationalworld.com. As ever, many thanks for listening, look after yourselves, and bye for now.